The Okie Geek Podcast is brought to you by Okie Comics, a bi-monthly anthology publication showcasing the talents of Oklahoma creators with stories featuring Oklahoma. Copies are available at Half Price Books, Edmund Unplugged, Loot and XP, Boarding House, Paseo Plunge, Museum of Osteology, Commonplace Books, as well as your favorite comic book store and nearest library. You can find out more locations and more information at okiecomics.com. Greetings and salutations, my fellow geeks, and welcome to episode 188 of the Okie Geek Podcast, brought to you by Okie Comics. I'm Michael Cross. An upcoming exhibit opening in Oklahoma City's Film Row mashes video games with art in various media. Artcade takes place November 1st and 2nd at the Paramount Room. This year's theme is the women of gaming, and here to talk it, talk about it is Artcade organizer Stacy Dunn. Stacy, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Stacy, tell me about Artcade. This sounds fabulous. Oh, it is. It's been a hit every year. This is our third consecutive year, which I'm very glad to, to say. <laughs> uh, we have so many talented people in Oklahoma that lend their talents to the fine art exhibit that is known as Artcade. What is it? What's, what, I guess, mashup of video games and art, but describe it a little bit more in detail. So one of the things whenever I came up with the idea for Artcade was to make it unique. So every piece is handmade in a labor of love. You go to a convention, you'll see a lot of perler art, you'll see a lot of prints, which is nice and it's fine. Mm. But each one of these pieces that an artist creates, it is that unique piece. And mm. I think that's what makes it special. Yeah, and it just and, and different types of media. What mm. what what are some of the, the 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 forms that people take when they're doing this art? So there's a of course there's a lot of traditional media such as like watercolors and acrylic paintings, but there's also um, people who have done metalwork and uh, oh, wood wow. burning and spray paint. So we get a lot of different diverse medias that come through, as well as just diverse people in general. And I think mm. that's the beauty of it. Why why video games? Well, because <laughs> I'm, I'm a nerd, I'm a geek myself, and um, it's something that I appreciate, and I think that the art form of video games mm -hmm. is often overlooked because it is in itself a form of art and has a lot that is put into it. Right, and over the years, we've seen it grow, and people always talk about the graphics, and that's really right. what makes a video game so great. Right, the graphics and story and all of those do have that artistic element. And they've been so ingrained into our uh, just into our society that people recognize when they see something like Mario or mm -hmm. Pokemon, they know that how much that means to to the the overall community. Yes, it's it's definitely a part of pop culture mm -hmm. now, which is you know it's built into our lexicon because it used to be, as I'm sure you remember too, growing up. You were kind of made fun of if you liked video games and now, which I'm happy about, I'm happy that it's become more of an accepted thing and that things like Artcade are successful because of that because it's more accepted and more enjoyable for everyone. So what kind of, you said it's the third year, how's the reception been for the past two years? It's been wonderful. Um, the first year was explosive and just mind-blowing to me because whenever I had first announced the event on Facebook, like overnight, it had 3,000 people interested in it. Wow. And I did not know what to think about that. And I, I love telling that story because it was one of those things like, I guess whenever, you know, a YouTuber has a viral video mm -hmm. and, you know, they wake up the next day and they're like, wow, all of a sudden it's, you know, but it wasn't me that got 
you know, the notoriety. It was the event itself, which is Niceville, um, and that so many people were ready to support it. What What are some of the exhibits you had when you first the first year? The first year was more focused, just centralized around general gaming. And then um, the second year, I decided to kind of do a special theme, not as the overall show, but as, you know, a, a little segment. So I, last year, I had the dogs of gaming. And then, as you said, this year, it's the women of gaming. Right. Why the women of gaming? Um, I feel like in video games, there's kind of a culture dynamic shift that's happening. And uh, I like to see women and minorities just in general to be represented more. And I want to celebrate that. Um, also this year we are, instead of donating to hot dogs for the homeless, we're donating to YWCA for Oklahoma city in honor oh, of that. Wonderful. And yeah, I've, 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 I've often thought that, you know, again, when we were kids, uh, video games was pretty much the, the white boy thing. That, yeah, but yeah. now it's amazing to see the number of people of color, the number of women that have really enjoyed this, this form of, of, geekdom basically right and especially people that are you know in the lgbtq mm -hmm. and i've seen more trans in inclusivity that word's really hard for me to say especially <laughs> with my invisalign in, but <laughs> yeah well and, and 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 i think the openness toward uh the lgbtq community is yes. just but well, i see that not only in gaming but i i, I hope i see it in, in geek in in the geek community more right me too uh, yeah and 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 uh speaking of me too that's another big reason for bringing women <laughs> yeah. into uh yes. into this as well in, in, inadvertently yes, yes i did say that but that is a good point yeah well, tell me about that the the me too yeah that so that kind of does go with the women of gaming theme as well i'm a big advocate for victims as far as domestic domestic violence and sexual assault goes i did recently within this past year take the um crisis trauma training for ywca mm -hmm. And that's what led me to choose them as the charity and think more heavily about this and how I want to have women, since a lot of times, you know, we talk about domestic violence, 85% of the victims are women. Mm -hmm. So I want to be able to show them that, hey, you're representative in a pot or you're being represented in a positive way and, you know, kind of give that empowerment. The as a female gamer, <laughs> what is the what is the situation like right now in gaming for for women? Uh, it's getting better. I worked at GameStop for about six years, which as a manager, and I'm sure you could imagine the kind of comments that I got just in general. I'd have people walk in the door say, "Oh, it's a girl," and then they would leave. Oh, like no. yeah, things like that would happen. Um, but I do feel like it's getting better. People are becoming more accepting, whether it's because they are, have empathy or that it's kind of just happening, you know, by force, <laughs> like, <laughs> Hey, you're going to like this, whether you like it or not, right. you know? Well, and I hope that's the way it's going, hopefully with the LGBTQ community too, as well It's basically saying, look, they're here, you know, and, mm -hmm. and you just need to start accepting it that right. they're, they're, they're gaming. They're, they're part of this community, this pop culture that they are not going away. Yeah. And I once, when, and when it comes to stuff like that too, like, you know, having the opportunity to say this and having my own platform, I want to say that they're not other people, they're right. people. And that's what people need to see them as. It's, yeah, they're just gamers like us. Exactly. Yeah, which, which again, we just need to accept people. Uh, well, I would love if yeah. people, more people <laughs> would just accept people for who they are and enjoy the fandom rather than having to go off on the fact that whether they're male or female or who they're sleeping with, it's, that should not matter. Right, exactly. Let's fight about which games are better. You know? Yes, let's fight about the things that actually <laughs> that matter, actually like, matter. you know, what what team you're on on a game yeah. or, you know, that kind of thing. 
Yeah, and uh, I so hopefully uh, something like this could could open people's eyes. Is that pretty much what you're hoping for in something like this? Yes. Um, and I just, as far as Arcade is concerned, I wanted to give the public something to do that's free. I wanted to support local artists and then also raise money for charity. Those are my three main mission statements um, that I kind of attach to it. You said it's free. That's yeah. that's amazing. So so what what can people expect when they go see uh, the the arcade at the Paramount Room? Paramount Room. I know that's hard to say too sometimes. Yeah, uh, so if you do come, you can expect to see a whirlwind of talent. Uh, I am blown away each year by what these artists can put together, especially the the um, talents of Chris Derner. He does the Arduino displays and the custom games. Mm. Um, as well as just everyone. And then you can also expect we're going to have trivia on Friday, and there's going to be prizes for that. And then on Saturday, we're having one of the VHS and Chill mm-hmm. movie showings, which I can't say the name of the film for weird, like, gray yeah, licensing I I, yes. sort of things, <laughs> but uh, it's going to be a good one. It's one. Of, it's probably a video game movie that you've seen, but you get to kind of take an MST3K, like, we can make fun of it as we watch it. Yeah. So I, that's going to be really fun, too. And, and seeing uh, a movie, and uh, of course, I've talked with the, with, the, with the guys at VHS and Chill, and then there's, even if you've seen the movie, even if you have the movie on VHS or, or DVD and you see it at your house, there's nothing like being able to see it with geek friends. Yeah. And just to kind of poke fun at it while, you know, having a few drinks and mm-hmm. and whatever it is that you do to enjoy yourself. And that's actually going to be in the Paramount Theater there. The, 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 yeah, the, the one yes. the one underneath, yeah. That is wonderful. And I, I see, I know, you unfortunately, you can't say the name. So you said there's also going to be trivia. What time is the trivia going on? So the trivia is going to happen, um, I anticipate it to happen around 8 o'clock on Friday. And then the VHS and chill, my tentative time for that is 7 on Saturday. Mm-hmm. What are the what are the actual hours of the the, the event the event itself? Yeah. Okay, on Friday it's going to be from six p.m. to eleven p.m. and then on Saturday it's going to be a twelve hour course from eleven a.m. to eleven p.m. That's wonderful. Why why did you choose to do this in two days rather than one, or, or even why not expand it to three? Uh, so three would there was kind of restrictions on getting the venue for that long, mm-hmm. uh, but two days. The past couple of years, it's only been open about four or five hours. And I kind of felt this veil of guilt asking a bunch of people like, hey, make these really unique art pieces and you can only show them for this four to five hour window. And it didn't seem really fair to them. So I wanted to find a way to expand it and give them more time for exposure and to have people buy their pieces and represent their work. Yeah. Now, as you said, it's uh, it's free, but mm-hmm. you're raising donations. How are you making money? Uh, sponsorships, <laughs> sponsorships yeah. where, where they can happen. Um, the artists, they pay a $15 flat fee of which $5 of that goes to YWC automatically. And then the rest just covered the remaining venue costs. So I, I don't make money off of it. Like period, yes. like it's a thing. Uh, and I think that's part of what makes it great because I don't have the idea of like profit in mind. Yeah. It's not about us. It's about making, doing, first off, showing great artwork. Right. Uh, but also uh, doing something good for the community, which uh, YWCA is one of the best. Yes. Tell me about YWCA. I love the YWCA. Um, whenever I took their classes, I learned so much. And I had said this on Tunes Tunes, Harold Story, mm-hmm. you know, yes, Harold Story's yes. podcast. Um, when I took those classes, you know, I, I really wanted to be involved. Um, and whenever I did, they were so informative and so educational and they really hit so close to home because I've dealt and struggled with that kind of thing in the past too, where I would just cry in my car, like for, you know, maybe 10 minutes after, 
but it, it it's a good kind of cry in the sense that you get that cathartic um, sort of reassurance and you get to hear the professional side of it and you get to understand and interpret everything that may have happened to you or someone that you know. So kind of a release. Yes. There. Yeah. What uh, you, you, you talked about uh, the, the YWCA about helping with domestic violence, but they also do so many other things mm -hmm. uh, for, for women in the community. Yes. They also have um, shelters for mm -hmm. battered women. They do a lot of uh, fundraising. They do those classes. They um, do a lot of batters intervention. They do, I don't have like any sheet in front of me. Right, I'm kind yeah, of looking up and to the it. left and thinking, um, but they do a lot of work in helping women in those situations as well as Palomar, which they work out of Palomar. That's kind of the Oklahoma City um, umbrella corporation for domestic violence and sexual assault. They can help you get VPOs. They can help you in your court cases, and they have all different kinds of support um, through Palomar. It's hard for, uh, as myself as a white male, to understand that not only we always think, oh, well, this is stuff that happened in the past, we, wife beating and stuff like that, but this is still going on. It's yeah. still very real. It is. It is very, very real. And um, if anyone is experiencing this, you can always get counseling or therapy through YWCA, or you can just talk to one of their ad advocates about it. Uh, a book that I recently, I'm not going to say read, but listened to because, you oh, know, yeah. audiobooks are great and I can listen to it while I work, was Why Does He Do That by Lundy Bancroft. And it has been one of the most eye-opening books that I've ever had the grace of listening to. So, Why is that? Just so from his perspective, he had worked with uh, batterers for 15 years. He was a counselor, and he basically dismantles the type that they are, what they do, what they say, how they act, and then creates this really over-encompassing um, kind of formulaic view of everything and just breaks it down piece by piece, inch by inch, and gives you a greater understanding of if you've been in that situation or if you've seen it, what it looks like and what you can do. Like he covers all bases. Wow. So it sounds like this book would not only be good for women, but for men also. Right. Because again, some of us, hope, hopefully there is a, a, a good number of men who've never been in that situation, but this is something now knowing how to look for that. Yes. And, you know, if you, if you're in it and again, I say 85% of women, you know, experience or they're the victims of domestic assault, but the other 15%. And then, you know, there's also a lot of information that isn't covered for people of other varying genders that identify in different ways. But it, the thing about abuse in general is it happens to anyone. Right. It's not about sex. It's right. actually about power. It's about power and control. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the idea is to make, if, if we could all start working on a society where everyone is, is, equal and not having to worry about taking power away from another, maybe we can start to diminish something like this. Yes. And that's a, another thing that he covers too, is in order to get to where we don't have abuse is the entire societal shift and culture shift that would go along with that. Yeah. Cause right now I know, and that's one of the things is, is you get this, especially what I see on the internet a lot is, is you get white men who are upset because they feel like their power is being taken away. And that's why they get mm -hmm. abusive, which is ridiculously stupid, but, <laughs> yes. but they don't know that. And so hopefully there could be more of us going out and saying, you have no right to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my favorite quotes, and I hope I say it right, is that uh, equality looks like oppression when you've been sitting in a place of privilege. Yes. 
because it's like my piece of the pie is getting taken away. And I think that's what a lot of them feel like, that it's something that because they're used to having this power for so long that whenever they have to share it, that it's being taken. Right. Which is ridiculous because the pie is not a physical pie. It's the not. more people get equal rights, doesn't the, take away any of your equal rights. Exactly. Exactly. And and so that's hopefully hopefully something like this also with with the, the with arcade with art in particular not just uh, not just arcade but art in particular hopefully we can start teaching people about this. Yes, I think uh, art and through video games it's been mm-hmm. been working out really well. Yeah. So how many artists do you have coming to Arcade? Uh, normally it, it gravitates around thirty, which is about what I have this year too. Um, so collectively. I've averaged between about 105 and 130 pieces. That's been on average. Yeah. <laughs> and the last couple of years, I would say the average of pieces that sold were between 30 and 40%. And again, whatever the artists, they come up with their prices. They get to decide, you know, how much it is and, and all of that. And I don't take any sort of um, curator's fee. I had to think of the word yeah. just because I want them to be able to make money on their own work and you said uh they 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 set their own pricing how does it how do you how do you get around how do you figure out the price of art how do you do you, I it's, mean, it's hard uh even for myself because i was coming up with my own price today and i was kind of sitting there staring at it i'm like what would i pay for this you know and then i have to consider the materials that i've used the time that it took and then i try to break all that apart and then i find a happy medium that sounds good for me because if I make something and let's say I spend eight to 10 hours on it and then I break it down and I'm like, well, I'm only making, you know, $10 an hour on this. You have to think of it from that perspective too. And you'd also, it, it's such a fine line. I know because, uh, I had the guy, uh, gentleman from, uh, art, uh, from, uh, toy, uh, toy, pho- toyography, uh, mm-hmm. and he basically takes pictures with, uh, action figures in Oklahoma city or, or Tulsa backgrounds and the first time he went to sell at a convention I, he's he's worried he actually kind of lowballed himself mm-hmm. and so you've got to make sure that you don't put it so low that you're kind of ripping yourself off right there was uh one artist particularly last year she had brought in her pieces and she's like well i think 50 dollars seems fair and they were pretty big they were like 12 by 24 acrylic paintings and i said hey you, i let artists decide what they want to sell them for but i said to her like can we make this 100 guarantee you these will sell mm-hmm. all four of them sold for a hundred dollars i was like see i knew it would yeah and, and it the, you know yeah and something like this allows them to get around with other artists and kind of seeing their work and going okay i can that's that's the price i can ask for that mm-hmm. yeah. i don't think anyone's uh asked for too much and again that's not for me to decide i i look at the prices when they send them to me and i you know i say to myself that seems fair and i don't have any control over that either because I want them to get what they think they deserve too. Right, but uh, yeah, seeing but seeing other people is like, well, mine is about that size, right. so maybe I can, maybe I'm I'm like again lowballing myself, or maybe I've put up the price too high. So you look at others people's and and when they're going, I mean that's the beauty of any kind of artwork is to kind of see what other people how they're selling, and mm-hmm. if you've got something comparable, maybe you should be going to toward that price as well. Right. Um, do you, and so how, how many total do, do you have this year? This year, I don't have a, as a far finite, as the artists? oh, the artists, yeah. it's about, it's still about 30. I, okay, I don't have a finite number in my head. Cause I was just doing some of the, uh, 
clerical work earlier today and I'm trying to get people to, you know, hit the deadlines and send me all their stuff still. So 30 artists, are they all, are they all Oklahomans? Are they from mm -hmm. other places? Well, there's, there's a, a, I would say one or two that are, um, outside of Oklahoma, but come here often. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, most of them are Oklahoma, Oklahoma city and Tulsa mainly. Okay. So they, mm -hmm. so, so it is actually pretty much statewide as far yeah. as getting some from, from Northeast Oklahoma as well. And, uh, you said you've got, you've got some works in there too. Uh, right now I have one because I am so hectically busy <laughs> and it's, it's kind of funny cause I'm always like, well, this is, I always, I don't like to refer to it as my art show because it's all of us, mm -hmm. you know, contributing to it. Um, and I also have Cody Haskins, Kale Black and Chris Derner that help me. Um, but it's kind of funny to think that I'm someone that's putting this together and I'm always like <laughs> not together <laughs> as far as having my own piece already goes. Just have the one. Well, it has that, that you've got to think about the entire picture. Right. So it's kind of hard to really focus on the one thing that you, what is the one thing you're putting out? I'm putting it, it's a Samus painting. <gasps> oh, uh, that's what I was actually thinking yeah. about. Samus about Metroid. And I was like, wait a minute, yeah. which was one of the first surprises in, in video games when it comes to women in video games. Uh -huh. Tell people about Samus. Well, just so if they don't know. So actually the, can I use certain words that might be considered like ambiguous or like cuss words? Uh, well, try not to use cuss words, but sure. Okay, so I actually <laughs> named the piece uh, Badass Space, B-I-T-C-H. Oh, yes. Um, just because I like to take that word back and be yes. like, you wanna call me that? Yeah, sure, that's what I am. Um, and she is just the quintessential bounty hunter and she's very strong, cool, calm, collected and you know, the, the spin to Metroid, the original version was, this is such a strong character. Turns out that it's a woman. That was a shock to everyone. They're like, what? How could this, you know, epitome of badassery be a woman? Exactly. So. Well, they've, you've been playing it for so long. And mm -hmm. then all of a sudden, boom, you realize that at the end, that it's a woman this entire time. For a lot of white boys, it was like, oh, Wait, wait! I didn't know this. I didn't sign up for this. Yeah, yeah. But then, but ever since then, she's become just the 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 idea that because that was so different mm -hmm. and so unique and so strong at the time. But since then, it's become that's that's what I think every writer of a good strong female character wants to base that off of. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. So you so this, so is, it, is yours just a painting? Is it is it? It's it's an acrylic painting. Acrylic painting. Okay. And you said there's there's other forms besides just acrylic. Tell mm -hmm. me about some of the other forms of, of media you've got there. There's some people that do sculptures. Mm. Um, I had a found object sculpture one year where someone took apart a bunch of controllers and kind of like put them back together in a different orientation. That was really neat. Um, there are the Cargills. They always bring metalwork. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I, I don't know much, uh, or anything about that really. So I can't really talk on the, <laughs> you know, the technical side of it. Um, I have someone this year that I haven't heard much back from that's supposed to be doing leatherworking. Uh, again, there's the spray paint pieces, uh, but the, the vast majority of them do appear that they're more of paintings and watercolors and sketches and those traditional media. Well, and it's a two-dimensional media anyway, being uh, video games. Um, mm -hmm. So it just kind of, it translates really well on, on doing original artwork 
from based off of that off of the video games. Yeah. When you've got, uh, have you already started collecting some of the artwork, or is it, or is it just going to be one time, like a whole move-in day type of thing? We kind of like I have some of it because one of the people in Tulsa, I got theirs because they're not going to be able to attend likely. Um, but the day of is when we set up and people bring everything in generally. Getting everything ready by six o'clock opening. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, are, you said one of the, the one from Tulsa is not going to be there, but for the most part, are the artists there to kind of talk about their works? Sometimes. Uh, there's some of them that do stick around, but it's usually just me and the, the core group that run it. Um, and they have the option to do that if they'd like, but I'm kind of the curator and the person that does all the, all the everything. Yeah. Are the, do you find the artists are, are maybe kind of a little bit shy about talking about their own work or just kind of would like to put it up and hopefully let someone else decide with, uh, with, an, with their own eye without having the artist having to explain or even try to barker it basically like they do at the arts festival? Uh, it, there's so many different personalities. Um, I think I, I feel confident in saying that they do trust me to be able to present it well to where they don't have to talk about it because I think inherently people come and they want to see you know video game art in general so they don't it's not like being at an arts fair to where if you do bring something like that you have to explain it i think there are more people that are already educated on it that will come and happen to see it right and so when you when you walk in basically you you have your own time to look mm -hmm. and 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 feel free to not feel like there's an artist look that's how i feel at the arts festival sometimes i feel like the artist is sitting right over there and i don't want to make any kind of comment or thought because they're right there yeah here you could actually look in your own time without having to feel like there's an artist there that you've got to yeah you feel any kind of pressure with no that that reminds me when i uh i had an artist booth at a convention and i walked up to someone that was looking at my paintings and i go do you see anything you like and they go nope oh and i was no. like okay yeah. so yeah no i do and understand i never that. said anything for the rest of the yeah. day <laughs> I was like, okay, well, thank you anyway. <laughs> yeah, it, that's, I think I love the idea of just being able to go in and, and see what kind of artwork is out there. How, when you're putting out the displays, is that a difficult issue about trying to make sure that there's some kind of cohesion to the, the gallery, the exhibit? Yeah, that's why I do have, you know, the, um, the certain themes in mind. And I, the way that I do it, it's, it's hard to explain into words because I'm a very visual person, so I see it all in my head, and I know that Cody Haskins, the one that does a lot of the, you know, Owen oh, Caleb as well, um, they help me do a lot of the setup. I kind of just tell them my vision of where I think things would look good and how it's like by size, you know, by certain content or what have you, and I, I like to have a flow. Yeah. Kind of like whenever you go into a department store, so you're, I am like, people are going to enter here, they're going to go out here, and then they're going to go through here, and it's it's kind of um, that mental mapping it out, and there's always people that don't do the flow, or they walk in places where I don't want them to, and like throughout the night, I'm like, stop it, stop it, stop it. <laughs> you're going the wrong way. Because they'll go between like a pillar and behind a painting, I'm like, clearly you're not supposed to walk there, and there's room to go elsewhere, like, please yeah. don't do that, <laughs> but... And there's a lot of space there in the Paramount room. So mm -hmm. it's a lot of trying to figure out how you want to, where, where you want these to go. Do you, and do you also say, well, okay, here's the acrylics and here's the more uh, 3D uh, artwork. Mm -hmm. it, do you try to put those together? Yeah, I do. I try to balance it too, to where, you know, people won't necessarily pass something up either or like overlook it. So I try to get something on each table or each section to where it's like really captivating and then 
it's kind of the rule when you make a painting too, like you'll have a focal point and then from there your eyes will go in other places. So there is a lot of strategy that goes with it that people might not realize. Yeah. And this, you've been part of it for the past three years, for all mm -hmm. three years. Were you doing anything like this before? No. <laughs> no, just this is your, this is just some, this kind of, is this kind of like your baby that you've just kind of. It is. <laughs> it is. Um, I have a degree in art and associates in fine arts. And one of the things that I got to do was set up a gallery for my, um, you know, final thing that you do whenever you do that. Mm -hmm. And I got to use it in a real life application. So that was nice. Yeah. And it's good to see it out there and then actually get to see people come in and enjoy it. Yeah. What was that like the first time you got that for, for Arcade two years ago? Overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was happy, but I was just, I was like a chicken with my head cut off. I was overwhelmed. I didn't think everything through the first year. And, um, well, I, one of the things that I didn't think about was itemizing or categorizing or, you know, as far as selling goes, I was writing everything down on a piece of paper and then like writing on my leg mm -hmm. and, you know, writing people's phone numbers down. And then the next year oh, I was like, I should have receipts. I should have an inventory list. And, you know, those are things I didn't think about, which you know, looking back, it's like, okay, duh. So each year been able to grow and, and I mean, to, to where now we're having a two day festival, basically. Yeah. What have, have you heard any response? How many people are you expecting? Do you know? Usually, um, so like the thing with Facebook is it's, it can be difficult to determine where you're at because even though, you know, by the time that arcade happened the first year, there was like an interest of like, over 5,000, I think, you know, right before it happened. But I would say that somewhere between four and 450 people showed up throughout the night. So, and then the next year was about the same. This year, there's less of the initial visual interest, but it seems like a lot of the same people and then it gets shared a kind of the same amount. So it's hard to like determine, but I, I expect based on that trajectory that there'll, it'll still be around 400. Right. Cause you've always, at least if nothing else, you hopefully can count on those people that will definitely come back mm -hmm. because they've experienced in the years past and hopefully share it with other people, maybe not online, which is actually better. It's the in-person type of thing. It's like, you've got to go see yeah. this. Or like the coworker telling the other coworker on the water cooler, like, Hey, I went to this thing and uh, you know, you got to go see, you got to try. And you know, I got this painting that's on my desk now. Cause there's a lot of stuff like that that happens too. You uh, mentioned about the, the different types of art forms of the media. What are the different uh, video game? Uh, what 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 are people drawing from? What's what's the, what's the inspiration for some of these the, the video games? Do they are they classics? Are they new? They're usually classics. A lot of people seem to um, be really in tune with the you know sort of retro games. Mm -hmm. um, and then one of, again, I, I keep mentioning Chris, uh, he makes all these really great retro games. Like he codes them in Python, creates all the actual avatars for them and everything. I don't know if that's the correct term. Um, I'll say yes. Sure. <laughs> so I'm like, someone's going to be like, well, actually it's not called that. Um, but I, I really like what he makes too, because in, and he makes the cases for everything. So he makes his own retro games. So that's really cool to me. And I wish I was able to do stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you say, and so, so you said the classic games. Is it? Uh, is it? Is it? Uh, so let's go to the classic games. Are they? Is it just the like the Nintendos or uh, the stand-up games uh, like you know Joust or whatever? What where where they usually come from? I I would say typically they kind of fall in the uh, time frame of 
NES to SNES. So that would also include like, you know, now I'd say a little bit after that too, from the late 80s to the late 90s, I would say is that frame of time. Because there's a lot of PlayStation stuff. There's a lot of, um, you know, Dreamcast mixed in there. Because there was even one person that had a Crash Bandicoot piece and then Parappa the Rapper last year. So... Those are really cool. That's amazing. And so really this can be for most people, even if for enjoying the art, but also maybe kind of a little trip down memory lane. Yeah. And I love it whenever artists, you know, they'll take risks and they'll do like kind of that niche piece mm-hmm. that, you know, might not everyone will recognize. Those are my favorite ones because, you know, when I go to a convention and let's say I see th- something like Monster Rancher, I don't know. If if you know what Monster Rancher is. I don't know. But, I think I know Monster okay. Rancher. Okay, <laughs> see? And I see something like that. I'm like, oh, man, someone else likes that? No way. Like, because it wasn't that popular. Yeah. So. But it's something that you're into. Oh, because that's how it is with any convention. That's why I love going to conventions. When you see something that, like, somebody is is cosplaying that one character that showed up in that one episode that you right. saw. And you're like, oh, you I recognize know. that. Yeah, I know this. And so you're like, oh, wait, oh, there's a fellow person who I understand. Mm-hmm. And so when you see that with artwork, too, it's like, that's something I've got to have because I remember being in that time period and playing that game. Yes, that's, I, I would definitely agree with that. And that's how people get me whenever I buy things. <laughs> so yeah. pro tip, if you want me to buy anything from you, you got to figure out my very, <laughs> you know, distinct interests and, I'll, and I will throw money at you. How does this dif- differ? Because every uh, convention has its art Gal, or it's 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 art alley. Uh, mm-hmm. How does the dif- this differ from that? Uh, so that's that's what I do think makes arcade special too. Uh, whenever you go to a convention, you have a lot of things that are mass produced. You have things that you could probably order at a later time. And again, these are those unique things that you might not see again. You might not get the chance to buy again, or yeah. or you know be able to appreciate uh, if you didn't see it there. And that's what I like about it. If you're not buying this one, there's not going to be another one coming around. Right. Unless someone does make a print of it, which they could sell to you at a later time, but it's just not something that we do at the show because we don't want it to be like a convention in that sense. We want it to be like more of an art gallery experience. And it really focuses on the art rather than whereas you go to a convention and there's cosplay and Mm -hmm. there's, uh, there's, uh, there's panels and all this stuff. This is really just focused on the art itself. Right. People are welcome to cosplay if they want to. That's fine, especially with it being like right around Halloween. Um, And I don't mind that at all. We just want it to not be that like, you know, and I don't want to say this because I appreciate every convention I go to, but I don't want it to be that cookie cutter convention experience. I want it to be something that's special and people remember. Right. And that's maybe why people are, are wanting to go to this is it's not just about, it is, it is in, its, in essence kind of another convention, but it's a convention just solely focused on art and gaming. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Uh, this has been an incredible. <laughs> have you have anything else you want to add that, that that we didn't go over? I want to make sure that we get everything. No, I feel like we did get everything. I know I'll wake up in the middle of the night and decide that we didn't, but <laughs> I feel like we covered all our bases pretty well. We did, and so give me the times again. Okay, so it's on November first and second. Friday, November 1st, it's going to be 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. And then on Saturday, it's 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. Friday night is trivia, and then Saturday night is VHS and chill. And with a movie we can't say. With a movie we can't say. What are the price ranges usually for your artwork? Does it really kind of vary to, I mean, is it really hard hard to put that, nail that down? It is, um, because, again, there's people that, you know, as you say, they might undervalue themselves 
there's very few I feel that overvalue, especially when after I see the work, I'm like, oh, this again, I digress. Um, <laughs> but just if if you're going to attend, just keep in mind that I personally wouldn't haggle with anyone because when it comes to a form of art, that can kind of be like a backhanded thing. Mm-hmm. And you have to consider that, like, this is someone that put a lot of work into this, and this is the price that they want to get out of it. And they put a lot of thought into that price. It's not yes. like they just threw up a sticker exactly. on there and, and went away with it. They really put a lot of thought into how much time and effort they put mm-hmm. into it. Because I've seen things range from $10 to, I think, the most I've seen on one is 350 right now. Okay. And that's a, it's a really big piece, too. Yeah. So you have to consider, like, size and time. That's that's so that so that's that kind of gives me an idea as well. Somebody who's kind of thinking, well, uh, do I need to bring a thousand dollars, you know, to for for one piece? Right. But you know, the nice thing about something like maybe two, three hundred dollars, it allows you to buy several pieces that are there. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. So so everyone go November first and second, mm-hmm. the Friday and the Saturday, starting at six o'clock on Friday and eleven o'clock on Saturday. Yep, at the Paramount Room in Oklahoma City. That's gonna be a blast. Fantastic. Thank you so Thank you. much, Stacy. So that's going to do it for our show. You can find us on our Twitter and Facebook at Okie Geek Podcast. That's also the address for our Gmail account. Would love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at KOSU Michael C. And I do want to ask Stacy, where can people find more information about uh, Artcade? There is OklahomaArtcade.wordpress.com. Don't make fun of me that it's WordPress. I know that they are inherently insecure from an information really? security <laughs> standpoint. Yeah. Oh, are they? Yeah. So yeah. don't put any information in there <laughs> you don't want. Um. And then you can also find it on Facebook, just Oklahoma Arcade. Then then there's also the event page, the Oklahoma Arcade 2019 bonus round. That's awesome. And are you or or Arcade on on Twitter at all? Uh, No, I I probably should though. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of fun to to throw out every now and then just some events or some pictures. You don't do Instagram or anything like that? Uh, There is an Oklahoma Arcade Instagram. I believe it is Oklahoma.Arcade or just Oklahoma Arcade. And I know Cody Haskins runs that aspect of it yeah and arcade is so uh unique you just put arcade oklahoma it'll Instagram it'll yeah it'll put, it, put it right up google that and it'll be right up there so fantastic. it should pop up right away fantastic um you can also uh find us on apple Podcasts. be sure and subscribe also rate us and leave a comment and do you or someone you know have an event coming up please let us know so we can talk about it on our show until next time along with stacy dunn i'm michael cross reminding you to keep calm and geek on geek on